Welcome to another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish your body, mind, and spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, and love fiercely, and probably make a lot of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity to fully, gently, and mindfully step into your own source of power. Yours, Julie, Claire. Here we go. Hello, podcast family, and welcome to episode 60 of the Yours Truly podcast. So I'm really excited to be here with you today, wherever you are when you're listening to this, however you are listening to this. It feels good to be back sitting behind the microphone, and I know I wasn't gone for that long. It was a week to be exact, but I hadn't taken a week off of podcasting or not uploading a new episode for over a year now, but I had been through a week where I had done some trainings and some workshops that really had me thinking about a lot of things as far as how I show up in the world as a professional, how I recognize my own privileges and the space that I'm able to hold for other people on on platforms such as this. So I felt like I needed a little bit of time to just take a step back and, and something that I find so interesting about just being any type of helping profession or someone in this industry, in this business, is we really try to hold as much space as we can for other people and supporting them and helping them throughout their own journeys. But sometimes when it comes to our own personal lives, we are less hesitant to be sure that space is held for us or that we are taking time for ourselves. So one thing that I really, really try to do is live the message that I preach and do the things that I talk about here on the podcast and encourage my clients to do. And this past week, what that looked like for me was taking a step back and knowing that I am not less for doing less as one of the presenters, um, her name is Kimmy Singh, presented in one of the, the conferences and the symposiums that I was at over the past weekend. She she put this really powerful statement out there as you are not less for doing less. And that is really something that I'm trying to get better at believing and living because like I said a couple of moments ago, it's something that I preach to all of my clients and to all of you guys. So I'm back here on the Yours Julie podcast with a renewed sense of spirit. I love podcasting. It's one of my favorite platforms to communicate with, to share ideas with. So I'm really happy to be here this week. I hope you're happy that I'm back. (laughs) Maybe you missed me, maybe you didn't, but either way, we are starting off here with episode 60. So... I don't know about where you live. You know, I hate to start off with small talk about the weather, but if you've listened to any of my prior episodes, you know that fall is my favorite. Just everything about it, the crispness in the air, the apples, the pumpkins, like the hue of the light outside. I feel like it's just warmer and it's more golden and I love everything about it. And today, where I am at least, I don't know where you are, but it actually kind of feels like fall. I took a little bit of a a move freely practice walk outside earlier and I was really happy that I had my sweatshirt. So maybe wherever you are as well, it's starting to feel like fall. If so, lucky you because I'm really excited about it. I actually have my window cracked open here in my office today, which 
as I'm telling you guys this, maybe I'm starting to think that that isn't the greatest idea while I'm recording a podcast because if like a truck or a, a loud dog walks by, you might be able to hear some background noise. But anyways, we will hop in here to the Yours Truly podcast today with something that I have been mulling over since this past week of workshops and experiences and really being able to connect with a lot of other practitioners in the field. So if you follow me on social media, if you stay up to date with yours truly at all, you may know that I guess by the time this podcast comes out, it will almost be two weeks ago, but I had the really awesome opportunity and the privilege of attending the non-diet workshop with two really wonderful fellow dietitians, Fiona Sutherland and Haley Goodrich. Um, And then after that two-day workshop, I was able to attend and the WIN Symposium, which stands for Weight Inclusive Nutrition and Dietetics. No, it's not a symposium talking about the weather, um, but it's a, it's a really awesome community of like-minded dietitians and health professionals who get together, and this is hosted by Heather Kaplan. You may know her as RD Real Talk here in the D.C. area, but it's a, a really wonderful space where professionals can come together and talk about what is left when we take weight or the active pursuit of weight loss out of the picture and how this movement or this practice isn't just one of health, but it's really one of social justice and speaking up for people who may be more marginalized than ourselves. So I learned a ton, a ton, ton, ton. Like I feel like that word doesn't do it justice, but I learned a ton over the past couple of days and I really want to bring something that I've been thinking about to the podcast today so that hopefully you can get a little bit of a a better grasp on what it is exactly that someone who identifies as a non-diet dietitian does. Because I find that in this space that is very driven and cultivated by social media and, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all of these things that we put out there, the words non-diet or anti-diet get thrown around a lot. But those words in and of themselves, they really serve to tell us what we don't do, or they may serve to tell you, the listener, whoever you may be, what people who identify in this part of the field, what we don't do, rather than highlighting all the wonderful work that we do do. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'm like five years old. I can't say the words do do without making a poop joke. So I hope you're laughing a little bit wherever you are right now. So I, I don't really know a better way to phrase that other than saying do do. So you'll have to forgive me. But before I kind of get ahead of myself and talk about three things that non-diet dietitians do in their everyday life. We got to get back to our roots here on the Yours Truly podcast and talk about our Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week. So if you are new around these parts, if you haven't tuned in to the podcast yet, the Yours Truly Goal Slayers is a free private Facebook community that I run that is filled with so many amazing human beings who I not only have the opportunity to work with some of them one-on-one, but I have the opportunity to connect with everyone in this group who is simply interested in learning more about a non-diet or an intuitive eating or health at every size of approach to their own health journey, whatever that may look like for them. So the post that I want to feature today comes from one of my current clients who we have been working together since January of this past year. So it's been about nine months. 
So she writes in her post, this is a snippet of my check-in sheet with Claire before our last call together at the beginning of the month, and I forgot to share it with you all. The gist of the intuitive eating journey is difficult to measure or capture in a picture. Our transformations are so much more nuanced and deeper than what our bodies look like, and they have such a larger effect on the rest of our lives. Healing the emotional stress around food has helped heal my relationship with myself. So I had to thank Claire for her part in that. And here comes this snippet that she wrote in her check-in sheet. So she writes, Food is easy now. Celebration is easy and consistent now. I am learning and growing so much, and the truth is that my life is so beautiful and I have grown so much as a person. It's amazing that I can go to bed almost every night happy with my life, and on the nights that I don't, it's not nearly as dark or as deep as it used to be. As we have talked about since the beginning, we are trying to create a more more positive moments with less time in between them, and I really think that's happening. And it's only going to get better. Committing to working with you has helped me commit to myself in all areas of life. You should be really proud about what you have created and your excellent ability to teach it and how much you help people. I feel like a whole new person. I'm confident in my food choices, feeling refueled and nourished by primary and secondary foods, motivated to go to the gym, seeking adventure, and being more kind to myself, creating habits that treat me like I have value, continuing to invest in my well-being. You are an integral part of this transformation, and for that, I am so grateful. I sometimes wish that my time working out and being in my labor-intensive job and the intuitive eating journey turned me into some kind of female Adonis so I could be like, see, it is good for you. It works. Don't you feel bad for doubting me and trying to get me to not invest in myself now? But the point really isn't to prove anything. The point isn't to fit beauty standards, but the point is to feel whole and happy and that's so much harder to show and entice people with. The results are not aesthetic, they're spiritual. I have more time, I have more strength, I have more energy, and I have more control. And I have more fun. I am more nourished, and I binge eat almost never. Most importantly, I have more peace. So I want to give a huge shout out to this goal slayer and this wonderful individual who, like I mentioned before, I have had the opportunity of working with her for going on nine months now. And as she prepares to do what we call graduate from the intuitive eating coaching program, I'm so proud of her progress as you very clearly heard her write about here. And I have no doubt that she is very well prepared and in very good standing to go out and navigate what we call in the wild or in the real world on her own and really further her own progress, not only in her relationship with food, but also her relationship with everything else that she comes in contact to in life. So again, thank you to this goal slayer. And for anyone who may be listening to me read this and you're thinking, man, I could really benefit from hearing more messages like this, or maybe from hearing what progress in an intuitive eating or a non-diet journey looks like for someone, 
and you want to be around more of this information, the invitation is open. It is yours to come and join us here in this free private Facebook community. So there are a couple of ways you can do this. Like I've mentioned a couple of times, there's no fee to join. It is completely free, but it is private because I want to make sure that I can form connections with everyone in this community and that we can really all grow to support each other in a way that is positive. So before you come into the community, I will you I will have you fill out a brief application so that I can get to know more about you and you can get to know more how the community works and what we really stand for so if you're interested in finding that application you can find it in my bio on Instagram at Claire Tuning, click the drop-down menu. You will find the application. If you are not on Instagram or if Facebook is more of your jam, you can just type in the search bar, the Yours Truly Goal Slayers. The community will pop up. And once you request to join, keep an eye on your inbox, your messages, because I will send you a personalized message with the link to the application. So again, I would love to have you join us if you're not there already. If you listen to the podcast, week after week, and you hear me talk about this repeatedly, and you're still not there, what are you doing? (laughs) Come hang out with us. So without further ado, here comes my fancy transition music. If you listen to the podcast, you know what's coming. Da-da-da-da! Today, with my fancy transition music, we are talking about, as I mentioned earlier, three things that a non-diet dietitian may do in his, her everyday life. Because as it was pointed out to me in some of these workshops that I had the opportunity to attend... Something that I feel like we get really caught up in in the nutrition world, or I'm sure this happens with other professionals as well, but we get really caught up in labeling ourselves and talking very strongly about what we don't do or what we don't stand for. And to a certain extent, that is important and that is powerful because personally speaking, when I take on a new client or when someone joins my individualized coaching program, we really do have to be on the same page with what the expectations are, with what we are hoping to gain from this journey and from where we're going. So to a certain extent, it is really important to be clear about what we don't stand for. But I think many times we get really wrapped up in the I don't or I won't or I shouldn't where we could spend maybe a little bit more of our time and energy and attention focusing on what are the positive changes that we do help people make. Or when someone works with someone identifying as a non-diet dietitian like myself, what might that journey look like? What might be some of the things that we talk about when we're not focusing on the active pursuit of weight loss? Because again, it's one thing to say, I'm not going to diet anymore. But what does that actually mean in someone's day-to-day life or in someone's coaching journey or their their workings with a professional like myself. So I want to go through three things and they're kind of vague. I broke them up into a couple of different categories, but I want to put the generalized statement out there that this is not an exhaustive list. This is not all that non-diet dietitians do. I'm really looking at this list from my own perspective and of course my own lived experience and what I do with my own clients. So if you're 
you're listening to this podcast and you're a fellow non-diet dietitian or you're maybe someone who has something to add to the list, please shoot me a DM. I would love to get your experience and your feedback on this. But we will start off with number one, which I think is really important to talk about when we are in this space, like I was mentioning earlier, with social media that tends to be very polarizing and sometimes aggressive. And I think not all of that is negative because it's very important for us to have differing opinions, right? We're humans, we're all different people, and no positive change or positive impact is really ever going to be made in the world if everybody everywhere agrees. So I think to a certain extent, this air quote divide that some might feel in nutrition content amongst dietitians, it's not all negative because it can produce positive change when we start looking at things through another lens. But something that I think anyone who is maybe taking a different path or has different ideas, something that we can maybe assume about them in a a not very positive way is that we are shaming individuals who choose to pursue another path. So number one, the thing I want to say about what non-diet dietitians do do is to offer individuals who are interested another way. So what we are not here to do is to shame individuals who don't agree, is to force people into agreement with all of the practices and the principles that we stand for from a health at every size aligned non-diet profession. The point is not to make anyone feel terrible because they opt for a different option. As I said in my Instagram post a few days ago, uh, it will be about a week or so ago by the time this episode goes live, but I mentioned that everybody gets to make their own decisions when it comes to everything in life, but especially your health journey. And what I've seen happening a little bit on social media when non-diet dietitians like myself are talking about an approach that is not rooted in the active pursuit of weight loss or trying to actively change our body shape, what that can kind of get morphed into is, oh, well, you just want to shame people who want to lose weight. So I just want to clear the air here, and I hope that I speak for not only myself, but other nutrition professionals who aren't necessarily focusing on weight loss with their clients, is that we do not think anyone who is actively pursuing a weight loss focused approach. We do not think they are bad. We do not think they are awful humans because if we look at the facts of the world and the culture that we live in, we live in a society that really values aesthetics and appearance over habits. And it is very fat phobic in our tendencies. And we simply do not treat people of larger bodies or in different body types with the same respect as sad as it might sound, as people who, air quote, fit the societal standard of a body. And I would just like to openly acknowledge that I am aware that I fit that air quote, societally accepted body. And I go through this world with a lot of privileges that are unearned and that can really easily be taken for granted. But what I hope to do here in this conversation is shed a little bit of light that I hope to use those privileges and my awareness of them to stand up and speak and maybe be listened to in a way that says we don't have to be living 
this very weight-centric approach because it is harmful. It really, like I said, doesn't focus on health behaviors. It can actually lead us down the path of many unhealthy, very obsessive behaviors. And personally speaking, again, through the lens that I see it, that is not the approach to health or nutrition that I want to support. So again, if you are pursuing a air quote lifestyle change or a diet that is really rooted in changing your body type or body size, we are not shaming you because it is totally understandable why that desire is there. We are just simply here to say, hey, I see you. I feel you, I hear you, I can understand why you may want that, but here is this other way where we can prioritize health, whatever that may mean for you. We can find your definition of health and help you find behaviors that are accessible to you, that are enjoyable, that are pleasurable to you, that you can really sustain throughout the rest of your life, as long or as prosperous as that may be, so that you don't have to constantly be on this hamster wheel of dieting that resets every 30 days, every year, every two to five years. Because a really alarming, in my opinion, statistic that we have that we know to be true about dieting in general or restrictive eating or the active pursuit of weight loss in whatever form, shape, or diet that may come in is that 90 to 95% of these regimens fail within two to five years. And that weight that may be lost in the beginning is not only regained, but often we regain it and we become larger each time. And that's not to say that larger bodies are bad. That's simply to say that the body is really trying to help you survive. So if it has experienced what it thinks is a famine or a lack of energy in any way, shape, or form, when you come out of that period of dieting, of restriction, the body is going to say, well, thank goodness, I need to store a little bit more. I need to make myself a little bit larger in this abundance or in this, you know, adequate amount of food so that I can protect myself for when this happens next time. It's not anything that's wrong with you. It really is the body is trying to work for you within this system that is very broken, that is telling us to eat the smallest amount possible to be the smallest, the smallest we possibly can be. So the thing that I want to point out here with non-diet dietitians and my, myself included, and again, I only speak through my own lens and my lived experience here, but I really am not down to support any kind of behavior change in the pursuit of air quote health that only has a 5 to 10% success rate within that two to five year mark. I always tell my clients when we work together one-on-one -on -one or when I'm just talking with someone in the Facebook community or when I'm just offering help to them in whatever way that I can on the intuitive eating journey is that I want this to be the last stop on the train. I want this to be the last thing that you ever have to invest in or involve yourself in because a year from now, two years from now, however long it may take, I hope that you're in a space where you're confident enough in your own abilities to listen to your body, to recognize your cues, to eat the foods that are nourishing to you and that you have accessible to you. And you don't need another diet, another 30-day program, another book. So I really, really preach that this is the 
last stop on the eating train where you're going to be here for the rest of your life. Because the crazy thing about it is, I think sometimes when we hear this statistics of, you know, air quote, diets don't work or people regain the weight, people get kind of confused because they think, well, well, what do you mean they don't work? Like I went on a diet a year ago and I did lose weight. And what I say in those moments to those people is I affirm and say, you're probably right. right? Like I don't live in the, in the same body as you. I don't have the same experience, but we know that caloric restriction or cutting out an entire macronutrient group or whatever type of diet protocol it may be, whole 30, keto, macro tracking, whatever it is, we know that it works for a certain amount of time. So whatever you're striving for, you may get that end result. But again, the studies that prove that for two to five to 10 years after that intervention or that protocol is is done or, or executed by the individual, there's very little to no evidence to show that those results, whether that is weight loss, you know, whatever the results may be, are sustainable in the long term. And the other crazy fact about it is that weight cycling or what is more commonly referred to as yo-yo dieting you may have heard this term, but this phenomenon where our weight is up and down and it's up and down because we're on and off diets, again, going back to what I said a couple of moments ago about the body working to keep us safe and for survival, that is why our weight fluctuates in these scenarios. But when our weight is going up and down like that, that in and of itself, that cycling, that yo-yo dieting is more harmful to our metabolic health and to our bodies than simply maintaining our more natural weight wherever our body likes to be without restriction, without external rules. Um, That is way unhealthier than just living at our more natural size, whether that is a smaller size, whether that is a larger size, whatever that may mean to you. So I don't want to get too sciencey here. I don't want to say uh, the research says because I'm not trying to get into a scientific debate or a review of the research, but I did just want to make a couple of those really important points that non-diet dietitians are not shaming individuals. We are simply offering another way based on what the research shows us and how the human body responds to interventions like restriction and dieting over the long term. Because I I hope for myself, for you listening, that we are around longer than for the next 30 days, the next month, or the next year. So we're really looking for something that we can offer people that gives peace and gives sustainability in the long term. So number two, the second thing that a non-diet dietitian may do is separate the conversation of weight from the conversation of health. So something that I have talked about a lot on my Instagram, in my Facebook community, you may have read or seen about this, is that we cannot predict someone's health from the size of their body alone. Because weight is way more complicated than the foods that we do or do not eat and the exercises that we do or do not engage in. I cannot tell you the number of times that I have heard 
any nutrition professional or just human being in general on the street say, well, I don't understand why either my body or my client's body isn't changing because they're eating less food and they're moving more. So it should make sense that their body is becoming smaller. But what we really leave out in that very weight normative or that approach that we're taught, you know, what I know in dietetic school or in nutrition school that there's so much more that goes into our body size and how we appear physically than what we eat and how we move. So an example of what I'm talking about is our genetics. Hello, like a couple of moments ago or in the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned that I have a lot of privileges in this world that are unearned and that are easily taken for granted in the society that we live in. One of those things being body size, which is largely, largely determined by our genetics or how we are born into this world, which I don't know about you, but I really didn't have a choice in how I was born into this world. I just kind of popped in here one day, (laughs) May 9th at 5.25 a.m. back in the 90s, but I just kind of appeared, and much of my health was determined from things in that moment and even before that moment that I and you have little to no control over. So we recognize that health, and again, this is in the non-diet approach, is not total personal responsibility. It's not fully within our control. Because of things like genetics, we can add on to that list saying socioeconomic status. Um, Again, the privileges that we are born into, maybe the neighborhoods that we live in, the foods that we have access to, all of this stuff that is really easily forgotten when we are talking about individuals' levels of, of air quote health here. We can really look at someone, again, this is from that societal perspective, perspective that we live in now, who lives in a larger body, and we say, well, they're just not taking care of themselves, right? Again, this is that very fat-phobic world that we live in, where we feel like we can look at someone and make a judgment about how they live based on how they appear, but that is not the case, because the truth, it's kind of like those iceberg analogies that you maybe saw like in high school or in middle school, they were posted on the walls, where you can see a very tiny tip of the iceberg, but the majority of what's going on is underneath the surface and cannot be assumed or cannot be known from simply looking at someone. So the thing that I also want to add here in why non-diet dietitians separate weight from health is because body diversity It happens on purpose, right? If we all walked around this world looking like the same human being, first of all, that would be creepy. Second of all, that would be impossible. And thirdly, that would be really, really boring. Um, I don't remember where I saw this, so I cannot take credit for what I'm about to say. As I was kind of preparing for this podcast, I was like, man, where did I read that or where did I hear it? Because it's a really, really good point. But it's it's really interesting that we say some people can be naturally thin, and that's okay, and that's accepted, but we don't accept kind of in that same breath that some individuals just naturally have larger bodies. So if we can accept some individuals for being naturally thin, and not really having to strive for that or do anything to uphold that, again, because it's a genetic thing. It's not something that is within our control. Well, why can't we also accept that people in larger bodies 
people of all different shapes and sizes and colors, right? It happens on purpose and it's not something that we have control over. So we need to find a little bit more acceptance on the spectrum of some people, no matter what behaviors we engage in, that may be health promoting behaviors, again, whatever that may look like for the individual, it may or may not result in their body changing. Or if it does result in their body changing, we don't really look at that as a positive or a negative thing or something that dictates their worth or their value as a human being. So the other thing that I want to say here briefly, because just kind of talking about how body diversity in different shapes and sizes happens on purpose, the other analogy that gets thrown out there a lot, which again, I cannot take credit for, I did not come up with this, but I think it's a really good way to think about it is we don't really get... There's a giant truck driving by, so if you can hear that background noise, I apologize. But we really don't get all up in arms by saying that we're a different shoe size from our friend. Or we don't associate a lot of morality or put that personal responsibility on what size shoe we wear. But ironically, we feel really bad when the size of our clothes have to be different from somebody else's who may be smaller, right? We associate, again, a lot of morality and place a lot of judgment on how we are are not taking care of ourselves when it comes to clothes size, but we don't really stress out about the size of our feet, even though they're both things that we don't have full control over because we were born into this world with a lot of that stuff predetermined for us. So when we're talking about, again, what a non-diet dietitian that's hard to say, non-diet dietitian does, we are separating weight from health so we can start looking at other health-promoting behaviors that don't really have anything to do with weight. And we encourage people to engage in these behaviors and find versions of these behaviors that fit with their level of interest and ability and what they have access to, but we kind of just let the weight do what it will do. So an example of this may be, because I don't want to be too up in the clouds here, but an example of what this may look like is something like fruit and vegetable intake. So if we look at what this looks like from a very weight normative or a weight loss focused approach, people are encouraged to eat fruits and vegetables because they are lower calorie, they fill you up for longer, and it may make you eat less at the end of the day, which in hopes will contribute to your weight loss goal. So that is what may be a weight weight loss or a weight normative, that's the word I'm looking for, approach might preach for fruits and vegetables, but when it comes to a weight neutral or a non-diet approach, we recognize that, of course, fruits and vegetables are wonderful things to eat, to have in our lives in some capacity, but we maybe talk about them through the lens of the texture and the color and the vibrance and the fiber that they even bring into our lives that can help with things like gut health and like allowing us to get the variety of micronutrients that we need. So instead of saying, hey, eat this thing, because it'll help you be smaller, we say, hey, let's maybe help you find a way to enjoy some type of fruit or vegetable so that it it won't come with this negative connotation, but I'm eating these to become smaller, right? I I hope that makes sense. And something that I also want to say is that in this non-diet approach, we really take that perspective of the whole person. So when we're talking about fruits and vegetables, maybe a question that we ask to our clients is maybe not only what fruits and veggies you enjoy 
and how you enjoy them, but what fruits and veggies can you find? Like, where are you shopping? Are canned veggies going to be better for you in your life and where you are? Are frozen veggies going to be best? Um, what do you have access to, right? So we're really kind of getting on that eye-to-eye level with who we are working with, and we're saying, hey, what would work best for you, and how can we approach these health-promoting behaviors through a lens of what would feel best in your life, rather than than pushing my own agenda or coming from this very 10,000-foot view, very privileged ideal, right? Because that may not be what all of our clients are experiencing. So the next thing that I want to talk about, which I set myself up like a bowling pin because I can just roll into this one. But the third thing that I want to touch on that a non-diet dietitian may do if you choose to see him or her or choose to interact with them is we really try to set our own agenda aside so that we can help you discover your own definition of health. So I feel like I've touched on this tidbit a little bit throughout both number one and number two, but something that I find happening very often in this air quote fitspo world that we live in and, you know, looking at all of this content on social media, it is so easy to find someone who may be promoting a specific product, a program, a protocol that really worked for him or her, but they may be pushing to sell this product or to get people on their team as a way to really further their own personal agenda and make a profit rather than to understand each individual person and create a space where everybody can hopefully feel heard and taken care of within that space. So I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm not saying names because I'm really just talking about this whole idea in general about these big companies and these people maybe underneath them who are, again, pushing something that may have worked for them but aren't really seeing the whole picture of A, anecdotal evidence is not evidence to say this will work for everyone, and B, maybe everyone who you're speaking to, maybe involving themselves with this product, with this program, isn't really the best thing for his or her health, but we're kind of being clouded by our own judgment because, well, this worked for me, so it's going to work for everybody else. So again, I'm not pointing fingers, but I'm just kind of speaking to the larger thing that I see happening very frequently on social media. So when it comes to a non-diet approach or um, when you're working with someone who is trying to set their own agenda aside, meaning setting their own biases aside, setting their own personal story aside so they can really hear what you are saying and hear what you need, we may ask you questions like, well, what does health mean to you? Or what would feeling like the best version of yourself, what would that feel like in your body? Or maybe what is your interest in certain health-promoting behaviors? I think something that's really interesting that we get taught in the dietetics world or kind of motivational interviewing is to meet the client or meet the patient where he or she is at. Um, But I feel like a lot of the times that stops at like level of interest or motivation. But we really need to get down a little bit deeper and say, well what do you like what do you even have access to right now right like we know that for example movement might be a really 
positive and helpful behavior, but if that person is working super long shifts and they maybe have kids at home, then coming at them with, well, you got to move your body four times a week for 30 minutes might not necessarily be the healthiest or the most helpful recommendation for that person. So it's really kind of breaking down all the barriers and saying, where are you right now? What's your level of interest? What does your lifestyle look like? What are you looking for with your health? And how can we maybe talk about achieving those those goals or, or stepping a little bit closer to those hopes and aspirations in a way that's really going to honor all areas of your life? So it will honor your physical health, your mental health, your social, financial, spiritual, all of these realms of health that can easily get put on the back burner when we're only talking about this this very physical type of health. So that is the last thing that I wanted to point out is when you're looking to any healthcare professional, whether they're identifying as a non-diet professional, maybe they're a more conventional approach, whatever that may be, I hope that you find that aspect of of anyone you're hoping to work with, that they're not trying to push their own self-serving agenda on you, but they're really trying to support you and create a space for you to discover what's going to be most serving to where you are in life in that version of health that you want to achieve. And maybe you find that support with a non-diet professional who wants to look at things beyond weight loss, or maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you still really do want to focus on weight loss. Again, coming back to number one, neither one is to be elevated as better or worse. Neither one is to be shamed. They are simply different. And we have some, some different beliefs in protocols behind them. But I hope today's episode met you where you were at. I hope this was maybe a little bit helpful to maybe just help you understand a bit more about what it is that a non-diet dietitian does. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. This is not me saying everything that I do with a client. And this is not me speaking for everyone else who may identify as a non-diet dietitian, but they are three really important categories that I personally really try to keep in mind when I'm talking with anyone so that, again, I can hopefully hold this space for them to uncover their best version of themselves, whatever that may look like. So... As always, if you are listening to this episode of the Yours Truly podcast and you found this content to be helpful, to be enlightening, to be uplifting, insert any positive adjective here, it would mean the world to me and probably whoever you're going to share it with, maybe, if you are able to share this message, maybe send it out to one friend, a colleague, a family member who you really think could benefit from hearing this message today as they taught us in kindergarten, sharing is caring. And I really still believe that to be true. So share this episode. If you have a couple of additional minutes, you can feel free to leave a five-star rating, maybe leave a review to give any feedback or any food for thought, pun intended that you may have here on the podcast because I would love to hear from you. And of course, if you'd like to connect on more of a personal level, my inbox is always open. You can DM me on Instagram at Claire Tuning. You can also shoot me an email 
if that feels better for you, yours truly, C-H-E-W-L-Y, nutrition at gmail.com. And I would be more than happy to continue on this conversation and maybe answer any questions you may have. But that is all I have for you today, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Yours Julie podcast, and I'll see you back here next week.